Paris Saint-Germain is not an easy team to coach. Winning domestic honors is a prerequisite, and making sure big egos are happy is part of the job description. And anything less than lifting the Champions League title is grounds for dismissal. Mauricio Pochettino couldn't get it done and is now being pushed aside for the reported introduction of Christophe Galtier, a man with a stellar reputation within Ligue 1, but lesser known outside France. Jonathan Johnson joins me to discuss what the immediate future holds in store for one of the world's richest teams. Que golazo begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegolasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Today's Kegolasso episode is presented by Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant. For those who don't like to sweat, the choice is clear. Gillette is your ticket to all day freshness. Gillette, the best a man can get. Jonathan Johnson, how are you, sir? Doing very well, thanks. And yourself? I'm good. I'm always good when I see you, my friend, and we talk some French football, specifically a club you know very well, Paris Saint-Germain. We've got lots to discuss. Let's begin with, uh, as we are talking, Jonathan Johnson, and as people are watching this as well or listening to it, it's important to note that uh, nothing is official yet, but Christophe Galtier seems to be the front runner for the PSG uh, job. Uh, there's a little bit of a Pochettino compensation dispute right now holding up the show. What's the absolute latest? Yeah, so it's still a question of PSG trying to strike that final deal with Pochettino and his staff. Let's not forget that PSG were the ones who actioned uh, that contract extension of Pochettino's last summer. So sort of in a web of their own making here. But, uh, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. We're not that far away now from from Galtier being confirmed uh, as PSG coach. It's just a question of, you know, crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's on uh, the paperwork with Pochettino before finally, uh, you know, being able to, to bring in the new coach and allow Luis Campos and Galtier to get to work together uh, as they tackle uh, reshaping this, uh, this PSG squad after Pochettino's underwhelming time in charge. So uh, we're going to talk about Pochettino in a second, but first of all, Jonathan Johnson, let's talk a little bit more about Christophe Galtier. Literally, you know, he's not known that well outside of France, specifically if you're not a hardcore soccer fan. What kind of a coach, what kind of a manager, what kind of a personality is Galtier? He's a very all-round manager, somebody who has a lot of experience, somebody who has been at some of the biggest clubs in France in some of the most testing environments, uh, and he's proven himself to to be a winner there. He did very well, uh, did an underrated uh, job with uh, Saint-Étienne for a number of years, uh, you know, working with little to no budget, keeping them competitive, even managing to win domestic silverware. Uh, And then obviously Lille, is where I think he would have burst onto the scene for most people, uh, you know, winning Liga and pipping PSG to the title. One of only uh, two coaches to, to do that in recent years, the other being Leonardo uh, Jardim, who, of course, uh, you know, was also aided by Campos, who Galtier will be uh, rediscovering at Parc des Princes. So Galtier is somebody who is, has a very strong reputation in France, uh, you know, has a good domestic track record, uh, turned Lille around from relegation battlers to, to Liga and champions, uh, and then was basically on on the verge of doing the same thing with Nice, uh, sort of one year into an ambitious project that probably would have seen Nice turn into title uh, contenders. Bit of a dispute there about the direction the club was going in. uh, And that has basically opened the door to PSG being able to snare the best, in my opinion, uh, French coach in France at this moment in time. Now, I realize that a lot of people will probably say, well, you know, why haven't we heard much of Galtier in the Champions League, for example? But, you know, it's also... 
very difficult unless you are the coach of a, of a PSG to consistently be in the same European competition season after season. So Galtier, I would say, hasn't had a consistent shot at the Champions League just yet. Uh, and I think he'll be relishing uh, that opportunity with PSG because domestic dominance, which is something that has been missing the last few years for PSG, uh, you know, that 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 is almost a given that Galtier will bring that. Uh, if he doesn't, then I think that would be cause for concern for PSG. But the big, uh, you know, question is how he can translate that domestic consistency, uh, you know, to the continental stage with a much deeper squad with much better players than anything else that he's ever handled before in Niga. All right. That big question, as always, for PSG fans is, uh, and P and anybody really is, okay, good enough in France. Can you do it in the Champions League? Something, something JJ just alluded to, and something that they're still waiting for. Our next segment. Our next segment. Excuse me. The choice is clear. Presented by Gillette Clear Gel. Let me ask you this, Jonathan Johnson. Before we get more into Galtier and more league, ah, were PSG right to get rid of Pochettino? Was the choice? clear for them for PSG to get rid of Poch? I do think that the choice was clear for PSG at the end of the day. Uh, you know, Pochettino had uh, a straightforward remit when he came in. That was to have PSG being dominant domestically uh, and also going far in the Champions League. You could argue one season out of two, he did a fairly decent job of that because the season that he came in, he had PSG beating the likes of Barca, beating the likes of Bayern Munich, and then just going out to Manchester City in the semi-finals. But the second season, uh, you know, his only real, his only full season, it was an absolute disaster in the Champions League, dropping out in the way that they did against Real Madrid, uh, and also failing uh, to 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 win everything on the domestic front because they didn't win the the Coupe de France. They got knocked out, funnily enough, by Galtier's niece. Uh, and I think that it was the right decision for PSG to make this change at this moment in time after killing Mbappe's contract extension and change the project uh, and move on without Pochettino, who, let's face it, was never totally uh, committed to, to this PSG project. One of the most difficult things for uh, PSG uh, coaching staff, as you can agree, I'm sure, is to deal with uh, the likes of uh, Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, Lionel Messi, Marco Verratti, Marquinhos, just, you know, players of such high caliber, but also bring such high you know, egos for better or worse that, that they've deserved. They've earned that reputation, of course, uh, some of the best players in the world. And Pochettino has had a, you know, just like others, uh, an issue in terms of, you know, getting the best out of them in the Champions League. And to your point, often as well, even domestically, one of them, Neymar Jr., who is very close on re meeting the record, JJ, of equaling Pele's uh, Brazilian scoring record. Of course, we know what, what he's done in his career domestically for different clubs as well but still holding on to see if they can win a Champions League title. What about Neymar Jr., Jonathan Johnson? Should PSG look to offload Neymar Jr.? I know it's easier said than done, but what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very much so easier said than done. But also at the same time, you know, I think if a club does come to PSG with serious interest, uh, you know, I think PSG would be wise to, to listen to it because... Neymar, we, we know that on his day, Neymar can be a fantastic player. But, you know, let's be brutally honest about it. How many of those days has he really had with PSG? If the best that we're going to see of Neymar with PSG was the way he was playing in that run to the 2020 Champions League final uh, in Portugal, 
ultimately it wasn't enough uh, for PSG. And you look at the way that Kylian Mbappe has become the talisman of this PSG side the last couple of years. Uh, you know, there are players who can put that team on their shoulders and they can be more reliable than Neymar. And I think really the beginning of, of this sort of second wave of negativity surrounding Neymar in, in Paris came after he did that interview late last year where he suggested that basically the World Cup in Qatar at the end of this year will probably be his last with Brazil because he alluded to the difficulties of being a top-level athlete. I know that got PSG very worried because it came a couple of months after he'd signed a bumper uh, new contract extension. Uh, and basically that relationship has not gotten better. Now we have been here before uh, back in 2019 when uh, Nasser Al-Halafi was speaking publicly and basically opened the door to, to Neymar leaving if he didn't want to be there. Uh, Neymar, as we know, didn't end up moving. Uh, you know, his potential return to Barcelona fell through. Uh, he was public enemy number one for a while at Parc des Princes and then ultimately won the fans over and it actually produced some of the best form of his career. But, uh, you know, I think it's almost like Neymar needs to be in an extreme position of difficulty to get him, uh, you know, to perform at his best. And the risk of him picking up injuries, as we've seen uh, in his years with PSG, is very high. Uh, so I think that PSG would be well advised to consider uh, any any interest in Neymar. But the difference between considering interest and an actual solid offer is quite substantial. Yeah, and obviously the biggest uh, hurdle for him has always been trying to be the main uh, shining light in Barcelona. He had to share with obviously Lionel Messi and Lucho Suarez at PSG, Kylian Mbappé and Messi once again. But to his contract and everything will be difficult. Final question here. Is the choice clear for Luis Campos, the new sporting director, about, you know, who else would be, you know, in his blacklist, uh, so to speak? Is there any, I mean, we know Kylian Mbappé obviously is fine where he's at. Lionel Messi, of course, has one more year left at least but is there any other movement that you know this uh Luis Campos is thinking about yeah I think that the choice will be clear in terms of who he wants to move out and also who he wants to bring in I mean I think Campos's remit is quite simple uh coming into this task he basically has to construct a squad that Christophe Galtier will be able to use so of course they know each other very well he knows the kind of squad the kind of uh, tactical variations that the Galtier will look to use uh, and we'll need to stock the squad accordingly. Now, the thing that really interests me about some of the early targets that, that Campos has been looking at, and I'm talking about the likes of Vitinha, uh, Porto, Renato Sanchez at Lille, who, who both Galtier and Campos know very well, they're looking at boosting that midfield. Now, we know that the midfield has been run exclusively through Marco Verratti over the last couple of years, but it's almost like when Verratti isn't there or isn't on form, PSG have no midfield at all. So I think completely reconstructing that area of the team uh, is a logical uh, you know, starting point for, for Campos. So I do think that, that he will have a clear list in his mind or idea of players that he can potentially try to move on, bring in money for, uh, and others that he can look to bring in, uh, you know, at a substantially lower cost uh, than, you know, what we're usually norm uh, used to seeing with PSG. Well, the choice is clear for PSG. Pochettino is out. What happens next is up to the French giant. Uh, that was uh, brought to you by Gillette Clear Gel. The soccer calendar knows no breaks, so it's always all systems go here on Kegolasso. Staying on top of the global game is an all-day gig. Then there's the added stress of being a helplessly loyal fan who obsesses over every minor detail concerning my club. Throw in on top of that the studio lights, the public speaking, the breaking news. It's a recipe for perspiration. Nah. -uh. 
not for yours truly. Fortunately for me, sweat and bad odors are two things I never have to worry about thanks to the long-lasting power of Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant. I can get on with my day, which mainly involves staying on top of the latest Aston Villa news and telling myself it's strictly for work purposes without breaking a sweat. Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant goes on with an anti-white mark formula and protects your nostrils from those nasty under-armpit smells while giving you 72-hour sweat protection. If you want all-day freshness, the choice is clear. Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant is a tap-in. Get your Gillette Clear Gel Antiperspirant at a store near you. Let's keep going here. Jonathan Johnson, some League R news. Lucien Favre, back to knees, we believe. And Paolo Fonseca to Lille. What's the latest? Yeah, so Favre has been unveiled as a Nice coach. Uh, that was somewhat unexpected. But then again, I think that, uh, you know, once it became clear that Galtier was going to be moving on, uh, you know, that they would have to, you know, think carefully, long and hard about who they could potentially bring in. And when you look at what Favre was actually able to do in his first spell at Nice, because he is, of course, going back, that third place finish that he managed in the season when PSG were beaten to the title by Monaco, you know, I think that that will have stuck in the memory of a lot of fans and a lot of people at the club. Sort of, what if they could have built on that? Because that is essentially what the project is now capable of since Ineos bought the club. So I think Favre was a logical choice. I'm kind of curious because it's it's a pattern that keeps repeating itself both in his playing career and now in his coaching career as well. Where Favre has gone and done multiple spells at a club. I think he did it with Servette as a player. He's now doing it with Nice as a coach. He's also been linked with a return to clubs like Mönchengladbach and Hertha Berlin in the past. Uh, And, you know, he's almost uh, a little, reminds me a little bit of Paul Pogba in the way that Pogba's done two stints at United, now doing two stints at Juventus. Uh, And I'm keen to see how it goes the second time around, because you know what they say, uh, you know, never go back. But then the, project is completely different. It's almost like Favre is rejoining uh, a new niece. It's not the same club uh, that he left. Uh, And funnily enough, actually, Favre managed to get a tune out of probably one of the most volatile players uh, that we've known in the modern game in Mario Balotelli. He had that wonderful spell of form uh, at Allianz Riviera. That's before right. That was amazing. Moving to Marseille. But if you, the fun thing is, if you look at Balotelli's career stats, that was actually his most consistent form anywhere, ever. Wow. I mean, so hopefully it's Lucien Favre that can get it done. Let's get some final thoughts here, Jonathan Johnson, on uh, Sportsbridge uh, Ventures acquiring a 9% stake in Paris FC. What's going on there? Yeah, so another interesting American investment in uh, into French football, a bit lower down in Ligue 2. There's a lot of hope surrounding Paris FC that they might be able to get themselves up to Ligue 1 at some point in the near future. They fell short uh, in the playoffs uh, last season, uh, but getting themselves up to Ligue 1 would obviously give us uh, a proper bona fide Paris derby. But, you know, there's also some some drawbacks, I think, to the to the Paris FC project as well. I mean, when you've got a group buying in at nine percent and you've got multiple groups because there's a, a couple of different uh, investors there, it's it's almost like it's difficult to tell exactly which kind of direction everyone's going to be wanting the club to move in. I mean, obviously, everyone wants the club as high up in the the, the French footballing hierarchy as possible. But it kind of feels to me like it's getting a little too diluted. Now, we will see how it plays out. I mean, it could perhaps, uh, you know, just be a, a tactic to get themselves up to Ligue 1 and then that can take, uh, you know, Paris FC to a, to a new level of their project. But you look at some of the transfer dealings they're doing at this moment in time, they're bringing in some very uh, experienced, very consistent performers. Uh, and I think that they will definitely 
be looking uh, you know, to, to secure one of the automatic promotion spots uh, into Ligue 1 at the end of this season. Uh, and they're capable of doing it as well. Thierry Loret is a very, very uh, reliable coach, especially at this level. Uh, he took uh, Strasbourg up, took Gazelec Ajaxio up unexpectedly as well. So he's somebody who I think is tailor-made uh, for this project. But what it means sort of in terms of the American investment, whether they can actually sort of grow that uh, at some point in the next couple of years and Paris FC could potentially become American owned. Uh, I think the jury is out on that. I struggle to see Ferracci, the, the majority shareholder, um, sort of stepping aside anytime soon. I am curious though by the fact that Rai, who's a PSG legend, uh, is attached to that group and will be looking for uh, added investment that could potentially come from Brazil or commercial opportunities there in South America. So that's definitely something that's uh, that, that's going to be interesting. But to be honest, there's, there's quite a few few clubs who are doing, uh, you know, some very uh, inventive things uh, at this moment in time, whether it's with managerial appointments uh, or looking for added investment as well. I mean, another managerial appointment we touched on Fav earlier is uh, is Fonseca going to Lille, somebody who obviously has a, a very high reputation uh, in Europe, uh, you know, was Roma coach not that long ago. So for him to resurface in France with Lille, uh, the deposed French champions will be looking to get themselves back into European contention. France is a very exciting place to be right now, whether you're in Ligue 1 or, or in Ligue 2. And obviously going back to the, the Paris FC thing, uh, you know, you've got Red Star as well, who are now uh, one of the clubs owned by 777. So whether they can get themselves into league do at some point in the next couple of seasons and then potentially have this kind of three-way Parisian rivalry for 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 supremacy I mean I think it's going to be a long a long wait for for a club to rival PSG certainly within the city but to have Paris FC sort of on their way up towards that status Red Star uh, you know trying to get serious about their ambitions for it as well. And don't forget about Hassing, who will be down in the fourth tier next season, have a fantastic youth academy as well. So there's a lot to be excited about on the on the Parisian uh, footballing scene right now. And there's no better person to talk about it than Jonathan Johnson, our French football expert. Jonathan Johnson, make sure to follow him. John underscore Le Gossip, as well as read his content on CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. JJ, thank you so much, brother. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, make sure to uh, keep following us on YouTube.com forward slash Kegolasso, Kegolasso pod on Twitter, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. We continue our coverage, including Jonathan Johnson, James Bench, Fabrizio Romano, Michael Hood, and much more. The World Cup, everything. Kegolasso continues this summer and beyond. Have a great rest of your week. See you next time.